Welcome to the Bishop Strickland Hour on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. My name is Terry Barber. I'm the host of the show. And for those who are brand new listeners, we, what we do is we go through tweets from Bishop Strickland. And then after the tweets, the second half of the show, we cover a catechism. And just recently, we started The Way of Christ Catechism, published by the St. Philip Institute of Catechesis and Evangelization in the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. Bishop Strickland, thanks again for taking an hour to tell us about how much God loves us. <laughs> thanks, Terry. Yeah, thank you. And one of the tweets you tweeted right off the bat was a regard Bishop Athanasius Snyder, who's been on our show many, many times. And uh, you have a YouTube link where he's giving a lengthy interview about raising a Catholic family in an anti-Catholic world, put out by Tan Academy. And I thought, wow, isn't that appropriate for us? Uh, raising families in an anti, that sounds like today. But uh, give us your thoughts on why you wanted to, um, you know, promote that interview. Well, he just has a great story with his family of, mm -hmm. of um, making great sacrifice to, to remain Catholic and to continue to be faithful even when, I mean, there was a time in his childhood when they, could seldom go to mass yeah. and his his parents managed to to keep them strong and close to the faith and ultimately of course he was ordained a priest so i think it's just a great story and i think a lot of families can kind of feel alone and um unsupported yeah. and i think it's just good to to be aware that in some ways that's the way the culture wants a faithful family to feel is to feel isolated but you know to know <clears throat> that there are faithful families out there and to to support each other so i thought it was just a great story that people need to to hear about support moms and dads and and the whole family great i, I agree i think anything by bishop snyder i've got a copy of his book called the catholic mass steps to restoring the centrality of god and the liturgy, we carry several of his books at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You can pick those up on our vmpr.org website. Okay, the next tweet. And the, the Thigh Martyrs of, I might pronounce this wrong, Sangagong, Thailand, were lay martyrs who were shot to death in December of 1940. So not that long ago. Because, why were they shot? Because they refused to stop catechizing in the name of Jesus Christ. And you point out, may they inspire us in 2022 to joyfully proclaim the truth of Jesus, no matter who opposes us. And then you put in Spanish, Viva la Cristo Rey, long live Christ the King. Bishop Strickland, I, I just kind of interpret that tweet to mean that if the government comes and tells us things like, you know, anybody who says marriage is just between a man and a woman, you got to knock that off. Or someone comes and tells us, you got to stop preaching the gospel. Uh, we have to tell them, no, just like in the New Testament, when uh, the apostles were covered, where they said, stop preaching about Jesus, or we're going to throw you back in jail. And they said, no, we can't do it. So are you is this inspiring us to stand up in our own time? Is that what this is? Absolutely, Terry. And, and I specifically liked it because it's lay people. Yeah. Um, you know, just people of faith, ordinary, not a position in the church. Right. But it reminds us that the church is the lay people. Right. 
all of us. I mean, the bishops, priests, and deacons, the ordained, are meant to serve the rest of the church. And so I just found it very inspiring that these lay people were willing to to be shot rather than quit preaching the message of Jesus Christ. And no telling how many lives they have blessed the the blood of the martyrs is the seed of faith that's right right up until the 20th century and and certainly into this century people have been willing to die for the faith and we need to not necessarily die but have that same kind of faith a faith that is willing to die rather than quit preaching jesus because in a few days as we celebrate christmas we will be singing joy to the world. Yeah. And to know Jesus Christ is is joy. Yeah. And that's what we have an obligation to, as Christ himself says, if if his name isn't proclaimed, the, the rocks will, will proclaim it. So <laughs> we've we have an obligation and a blessing yeah. to be able to share the faith in every way we can. You know, Bishop Strickland, when I'm hearing this, I think of also another element to proclaiming the gospel in spite of that persecution, but also in spite of scandal. We are a scandal-ridden church today, okay? And many people call me, and they're so upset about different things that are going on in the church. And when I tell them, and you can tell me if I'm onto something, I tell them, who do we worship? Do we worship a bishop, a priest, a pope, or Jesus Christ? We worship Jesus Christ. So here's what I tell them. Don't focus on the scandals. Focus on your spiritual life, your prayer life. Make reparation, expiation for those sacrileges that are going on in the church today and in the world, whether it's abortion, same-sex, uh, so-called same-sex marriages that are going on. Make reparation, but live a holy life. Because don't we, we, what I tell people is don't let the distractions of scandal take anything away from your relationship with Jesus and stay focused on Christ. And that's how you handle scandal. Your thoughts? Really, Terry, I think it's a great reminder. If there's scandal, there are children of God involved. Mm. Maybe, you know, and certainly if it's someone who is ordained, it's more scandalous. If it's a man who is married and should be committed to his wife, it's more scandalous. The greater responsibility, right. the greater the scandal. Right. But I think we need to remember with all of these circumstances, and this is something that I've really tried to remind myself a lot recently, yeah. is I mean, whether it's a politician or a business person or someone in Hollywood or someone in the church, if they're causing scandal, it's being caused by one of God's sons or daughters, Mm. and to always remember that we pray for them and for their own good. We oppose anything that they may be doing that's corrupt, that's scandalous. It has to be called out. But always remembering that even those who cause scandal remain beloved of God. God doesn't give up on us. And we can all we're all called to reform our lives and to grow in grace and holiness, acknowledging that we're sinners. So I think we need to really um, cultivate that reminder and that awareness 
when we see something, I mean, probably all of us, I know he, even here in Tyler, you'll see, you watch the local news and you'll hear about murders and shootings and certainly not like the big cities, but we have, proportionally, we have too much of that kind of violence. Well, I think we always need to remember they're children of God involved in this and to simply keep that perspective. Yeah. As we try to fight crime, we're remembering that crime is committed. Uh, animals don't commit crime. Human beings do. Right. Children of God. And we need to constantly be calling people to live more faithfully as children of God and to do the same ourselves. I think that would get rid of a lot of the, the negative rhetoric that we hear and the attacks one against another. Yeah. If we just remember all of us are beloved of God. And, and I know that's tough because, you know, there's some politicians that are so anti-God, it's it's hard to believe that God does love them, but he does. Yeah. Um, and we are called, we're, we're challenged to love like God and to always know that love is our greatest strength and the love that, the real love that comes from God is what's going to set us free. Well said. I think of uh, 84-year-old Joan Jacobson, who was shot while canvassing against abortion in Michigan. I call that love because she was trying to convince people to vote for the support of not the killing of innocent life through abortion. And she was willing to go and canvass at age 84, meaning knocking on doors, telling people, be pro-life. That was inspirational to me, and a pro-life group gave her the annual pro-life award because of her, I, I say courage, to go out and knock on strangers' doors and tell them the pro-life message. I just have to say, if she can do that, don't you think we can stand up for the unborn at the office or at home? What are your thoughts about the, this woman, Bishop Strickland? Yeah, she's a, a great example. And thankfully, and that's another thing, too, to keep the positive approach to things. To remember, there's so many good people out there sacrificing, living rightly. We're all sinners, yeah. but people are really living virtuous lives and sacrificing a lot and very active in, in all levels of society, yeah. proclaiming the sanctity of life and fighting against the corruption that harms life. So we need to celebrate those, those individuals and be inspired by them. You know, talk about inspiration. I think of... 4,000 babies in the United States that have been saved by the abortion pill reversal since 2012. Ten-year-olds ten are walking around, running around uh, down to babies because the pro-life community stepped up to the plate and said, hey, we can help you. I think that's inspirational too. You're listening to the Bishop Strickland Hour on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We come back, we'll talk more about some tweets and we'll also get into the catechism and what it has to say to us about our faith and much more here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. We're covering a couple more tweets and then we're going to get into the catechism. <laughs> talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As you know, Bishop Strickland, when this is broadcast 
on Tuesday, we'll be celebrating the octave of Christmas. And you sent a tweet saying, uh, light, joy, hope, peace. May these words of Advent and Christmas guide us always through whatever darkness we face. And I like these encouraging words. You said, never despair. There is much hatred, but we must not hate the haters. Well said. Pray for them. Their change of heart. Jesus' birth reminds us that all is possible with God. Those are encouraging words, Bishop Strickland. Well, I think we need encouraging words. And we need the, the words that hopefully challenge us to remain faithful, to remain joyful, even in the midst of a lot of worries and concerns and confusion and anger even. Um, we've really just got to keep focusing on being true disciples of Christ and, you know, um, admitting when we fail yeah. and confessing our sins and seeking once again to, to grow in holiness. I mean, that's what it's all about. Well said. Today's uh, that we're recording this show is the Feast of St. Peter Kinesis. And uh, you pointed out that he defended the faith in the time of great upheaval, kind of similar to our time. At the Pope's request, he personally carried the documents of the Council of Trent. Isn't that interesting? To the leaders of Europe. And then you said, May Peter, St. Peter inspire us all to live and share the truth of our faith, regardless of the opposition we face. Bishop Strickland, I also read that he was instrumental in keeping certain countries like Poland and half of Germany Catholic right after the Reformation because he put together a catechism and it was really instrumental in helping ignorant Catholics who didn't know their faith learn their faith so that when they were uh, brought up to say, well, you want to leave the church? We've got a better church over here. They said, no, 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 we know our faith. We know our apostolic church. So it seems to me that he's a a great model for us today. Absolutely, because one of our critical issues is a lack of solid catechesis, yeah. mm -hmm. of knowing our faith. I mean, that's why we're, we're going that. through the catechism using this way of Christ, because it's, I mean, Terry, we've both been studying our faith for years. Oh my gosh, yeah. And there's always something to learn or learn more deeply. That's right. Um, that's, that's what the journey is. We have to remember, and that's what Peter Canisius was doing. In Europe in the 16th century, he was proclaiming the same Jesus, like you said, mm -hmm. that the apostles wouldn't stop proclaiming his name. Ultimately, they lost their life for it. Wow. Uh, St. Peter Canisius wasn't martyred, but he certainly faced the hardships of, uh, of a truth that was being resisted in his time. Mm -hmm. Many people were turning away from the church. So I think St. Peter and, and all the saints inspire us to, to keep the faith and to share the faith and to just really live that lifestyle of being evangelizers and teachers of the faith and learning ourselves. Yeah. The more we learn, the more we can share with others. Well said. Bishop Strickland, I'd like to get into the catechism, the Way of Christ Catechism presented by the St. Philip Institute of Catechesis and Evangelization. We've been just starting in Chapter 1 about divine revelation, 
And it's really important for all of us, again, I mentioned this last week, of being really familiar with the scriptures. I mean, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. St. Jerome said that. And so we're just kind of given a catechesis through this catechism of questions that would probably be asked about the Bible. Like, for example, question number seven in the catechism. I like this format question answer. It says, how did we get the scriptures? And it says, the 46 books of the Old Testament were authored mostly by Jewish authors before Christ. Then the apostles and their followers wrote the New Testament in the first century. Uh, the church determined which texts were inspired by using four criteria. This is interesting. The four, the text had to have apostolic origin, so right back to the time of Christ, to be used in the Sunday liturgy. Incredibly important. Number three, be in line with Christ's teachings and be used by the whole church. The church included 27 texts in the New Testament. So the whole Bible totals 73 books. This was the norm, right, for 1,500 years until the Protestant Reformation where Martin Luther removed seven books. That's an education in that paragraph. That gives us some background, doesn't it? How it yeah, came. absolutely. And I, I think one thing that for us as Catholics yeah. that we really have to focus on, one of the things I love, one of the criteria, yeah. be used in the Sunday liturgy. I know. Scott Hunt. It reminds that. us that the church yes. had her liturgy. Exactly. The Sunday liturgy, people were celebrating Mass just like we do. I mean, <laughs> very different, but the same Mass, the yeah. same sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Right. And that's where the New Testament came from, not the other way around. I mean, I think even a lot of Catholics approach the Bible as if at some point Jesus handed it out or somebody did. <laughs> but it grew out of the prayer and the worship yeah. of the people of God in the Mass. Right. Um, and, and I think we can, in an analogous way, not certainly in exactly the same way, but even the Hebrew Scriptures were rooted in the, the, the worship of the people and the stories that were told as part of that worship. So um, I think we can say both Old and New Testament grew out of the worship of the people, but definitely the New Testament. And I think another thing, like you said, that paragraph really mm -hmm. captures a lot, kind yeah. of like the catechism itself, even though it's just reflecting on the catechism. But it reminds us that all this happened in the first century. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's scripture scholars are, I don't think there's any debate that um, the Gospel of John is the last of the four Gospels right, written. Right. And it was completed right around the year 100, a little bit after. Um, there's scholarships not as, as unified on, on the origins or revelation and all, but I think the timing is about the same. But you could definitely say by the year 125, Scripture was written. Yep. There's there's nothing in sacred scripture that came after that. And I think that says a lot too, because it, it shows us the formation of the church in that first century 
I mean, so we could say, if we just use that number, just sort of pulled it out of the air, but in the year 125, Jesus had been died and risen for less than 100 years, right. and already all of the scriptures of, that are the Christian New Testament were already there. It took a little longer to, for the, the canon to be established. I think that was in officially finally in, in like the third or fourth century, but um, you, you probably know the actual council. Yeah, I do. Hippo, 393 and 397, Council of Hippo, and um, that's what I was taught uh, where we had the canon uh, you know, authoritatively uh, put by the uh, successors of the apostles. And yep, there you go. And like, again, I think it's important to point out there, so almost the year 400, the, yep. the late 300s, right. is when the Council of Hippo finally says, yep. this is the official canon of That's Scripture. Right. That's right. But once again, it had been long before that, that sure. it was pretty well settled. That's right. Um, and so many things. I mean, it's like the proclamation of the Immaculate Conception of the <laughs> Blessed Virgin Mary didn't happen until the 1850s, right. but that truth had been there from the very beginning, right. accepted by the people, and finally, officially, given the seal of approval and definitive teaching. Now, I think that's just another good illustration of the church didn't just come up with these teachings and these official proclamations overnight. Right. It, it literally sometimes took centuries, right. but people faithfully listening to the Word of God, listening to the previous teachings of the church. And I think we need to remember that model that whatever is in the catechism, it didn't just pop up in 1950. It, it was a slow process in the church, understanding the same truth a lot of times more deeply, but the same truth always being focused on. Well said. This next question is very important because we hear this Sola Scriptura, Bible alone. Here's the question, number eight. Can Scripture be used as the only means to learn the teachings of Jesus? And the answer is no. We learn Jesus' teachings through what we are taught by an oral statement or by a letter. And he quotes 2 Thessalonians 2.15. That meaning both by scripture and tradition. If we neglect one or the other, we miss out on part of God's revelation. And then they give you a reference into the big catechism. It's really well done. Mm -hmm. I said it's well done to make it clear that we don't we're not a Bible alone church. You know, this Absolutely. is important. And I and the reason I say this, folks, is so many of our friends well, who are not Catholic, who are, you know, good Christian people, but they really think that it's the Bible alone. But if we ever, I mean, I have a, a eight-hour course by Dr. Scott Hahn, just happened to have it, on the Bible alone. And uh, if anybody ever wants to go through a schooling on that question, uh, call 877-526-2151. I've had my Protestant brothers listen to that, and they said, Dr. Hahn gave all the reasons why it should be just the Bible alone in the first hour, and then he tore all those up with Catholic theology that made more sense to me. And I've had many Protestants go, it makes sense. 
that it can't be just the Bible alone. So if you want to get a good teaching on that, a hair at Virgin Most Powerful, we do have that. All right, the next question, Bishop Strickland, this is a good one because what is sacred tradition? Um, you know, it says sacred tradition is preaching the apostles, apostles handed on into the church from generation to generation, passed down in her writings, practices, and prayers. For example, they give a good one. Sacred tradition preserves belief in the bodily assumption of Mary into heaven. And that was declared just recently as a dogma in 1950. Oh, I hear the music. When we come back, we'll talk about tradition. And we'll also talk about discipline, too. It's coming up, the difference between a tradition and as a discipline that can change. And we'll, we'll talk more about that when we come back on the Bishop Strickland Hour here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I hope you're enjoying this catechesis. Yes, fundamental teachings of the Catholic faith here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. We're covering a catechism of the Catholic Church where the the Way of Christ, uh, this is a book that was printed by the St. Philip Institute, and I would recommend anybody to check it out. It's on catechesis and evangelization. It's a very simple catechism, but it also gives references to the big, thick catechism. We thought maybe this would be easier to go through for everybody on the radio here. Bishop Strickland, we just covered what is sacred tradition. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I think it's important to um, be aware of sacred tradition. And I think it emphasizes the living reality of the faith. Mm -hmm. Really, the greatest revelation of all is Christ himself. Amen. As you quoted St. Jerome. Yep. Ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. They go hand in hand. Yep. The, he is the incarnate word among us. And I think tradition helps to make us realize that our faith is based on a person. It's not just a, a book that, uh, yes, we believe sacred scripture is the word of God and it is sacred. But it's not just that, because the tradition helps to round out that encounter with the person of Christ, even in our day. That, I mean, like the the seven sacraments that we have in our Catholic faith, they're certainly alluded to, and you can find elements of of what the sacraments are about in the the scriptures. But as far as a listing of the seven sacraments, that really comes out of tradition. So they work hand in hand. And I think it emphasizes that it's Jesus Christ that we want to come to know, the eternal Son of God, who is the fullness of revelation of the truth. And scripture and tradition help bring us to him. Well said. This is a good one. Can tradition change? Answer, yes and no. Sacred tradition comes from the apostles and contains doctrines that cannot change, such as the dogma of the Trinity. After the close of divine revelation, that's the death of the last apostle, 
Other traditions arose in the particular churches called <clears throat> ecclesial traditions, like not eating meat on Friday. These ecclesial traditions, which are not properly speaking included in sacred tradition, can change. Bishop Strickland, I would like to just make a comment. You can correct me because you know, you know more about this than I do. I would say the word discipline, uh, the thing about eating meat on Friday, I wouldn't call it, yeah, it's a tradition, but it's more of a discipline. Disciplines change. We used to not be able to have altar girls, which I think is a bad idea personally. But the church said now they can serve at the altar. That's a church discipline rather than so much of a tradition. So I, I'd make the distinction, and maybe I'm off, but I'd make the distinction between uh, you know, some of the tradition or a discipline. Yeah, I, I agree, um, Terry, that disciplines can change. Yeah. You might say they're the ways we live out the basically revealed truth. I mean, like, I think the... Um, not eating meat on Friday is yeah. a good illustration of that yeah. discipline yeah. that was very worthwhile. Sure. And frankly, a lot of people still follow it. Oh, yeah. Even though it's not officially yeah. um, called for by the church. But, and I think it, it helps to get a little deeper into the distinction between sacred tradition and these disciplines, or as this says, these ecclesial traditions. Sacred tradition is about teaching us the truth that we need to know to embrace the salvation that God offers us mm -hmm. through his son, Jesus Christ. So those basic elements don't change. Yeah. Our moral lives, the way we're called to live, the commandments, right. all those basic truths. But then disciplines like not eating meat on Friday— yeah was one specific way of applying what tradition does teach us. Got it. Tradition teaches us to be penitential and to fast from things in life. Fasting and prayer is part of tradition. What form that takes, the discipline of not eating meat on Friday, uh, why Friday? because it's the day the Lord died. I mean, and it's certainly appropriate to make some small sacrifice that echoes that tremendous sacrifice of the Lord. But that distinction between another way of talking about it is practices. The disciplines or the practices can change. Mm -hmm. And sadly, <coughs> what happened with the change in the discipline yeah. of not eating meat on Friday too many people lost the whole idea yes. of sacrificial living right. and of, of uniting some small sacrifice to the tremendous sacrifice of Christ. I mean, how many people give up anything or even think of giving up anything on Fridays anymore, even though <laughs> the church officially said, That's right. we're not going to say don't eat meat on Fridays any longer but find another exact. penitential practice or discipline for yourself. And all people heard was, oh, you can eat meat on Friday. And they just dropped it right there because sadly we weren't mature enough to say, okay, we know our faith. We don't have to not eat meat. I mean, frankly, I love fish. So <laughs> really, if I'm really trying to enter into that penitential Friday, 
I try not to eat any animal protein. I mean, I basically just stay vegetarian for that day as, and that's, that's more of a real sacrifice for me because I love fish as much as chicken or beef, you know? Yeah. So having, you know, having salmon on Friday is not a sacrifice <laughs> for me. Oh, and so, and, and certainly food is a big deal for all of us. Yeah. So I think it is uh, a discipline to discipline what we eat yeah. at, at certain times. That's what fasting is, sure. at least an element of it. Yep. Um, I think that's significant. But to remember that distinction be between what what sacred tradition teaches us that remains the truth and the practices and disciplines that we can personally. I mean, some cultures get into different things that uh, another culture may never have uh, embraced. But right. The, the basic sacred tradition truths are things that are universal and don't just come and go. Right. Bishop Strickland, I'm excited about Chapter 2 because it's on the Trinitarian life. And this is uh, obviously a core teaching of our Catholic faith. So, so Chapter 2 says, There is one eternal God who is unchanging, uncreated, personal being. This is important. God has made known to us that there are three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We find our happiness in being in relationship with the triune God. That's, that little paragraph right there says so much about why uh, you know the Trinity is such a, a core teaching. So question one says, can we know that God exists by the use of reason? I love these questions. I remember that when I was a kid. Yes, the answer is nothing in the world is the cause of its own existence. Well, that right there teaches you that. Everything in the world is dependent on something else for its existence. But if nothing existed independent of all other things, those dependent things would not exist. Something must exist of necessity upon which all other things depend for their existence. And that is God. What a short paragraph to say a profound teaching about our belief in God. Yeah, and it's very important for our time. Yes. For those who do believe or, you know, have some idea of belief to really reinforce that and to understand what they're saying when they say they believe in God. Because really, Terry, my theory is that a lot of people that say, oh, I don't believe in God, they don't really know what they're saying. It's true. They haven't thought through the simple logic yeah. of just this paragraph. Right. I mean, what are you really saying when you say you don't believe in God? I mean, really, I don't think it's hyperbole too much to say if you don't if we don't believe in God then we don't really believe in humanity we don't believe in who we are as those because we're in the image and likeness of God we're a sign of God's existence as well because right. to have beings with self-knowledge of awareness that we are is 
points to God. Even our very existence points to God. So, and I think that's sadly where we are. A lot of people who really boldly and proudly proclaim themselves to be atheists and they're free from all of this uh, belief in God and religion, um, that it really is not freeing at all. And I think that paragraph really captures why, because it's it's not logical. And it, it become, begins to undermine everything that our lives mean if there is no God who created us. So well said. And I think of the culture that we say to, that we're in living in today that has no clue about who God is. This is why it's important to study our faith, because what you come up with is people saying, well, I have my truth and I'm seven foot four. I'm a woman when I'm not a woman. I'm five foot four, not seven foot four. But I say it, so that makes it true. See, this it doesn't. It's just like gravity. If you jump off a ten story building, you know you can say I don't believe in gravity, but that sudden stop at the end, you're going to believe it. And the same thing about our faith. And this is why we're going to be studying uh, the Catechism and the Trinity. The next question we're going to be coming up with is, what what do we mean when we say God? That's incredibly, what a great topic to bring up to somebody. What do you mean by God? And see, we are, can articulate very clearly and logically. But remember, common sense ain't that common in our world today. Stay with us, family. We'll be back with more on the Bishop Strickland Hour on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. When we were on our break, I was thinking, here I am in my mid-60s, and I'm studying the catechism of the Catholic Church. And when I was a teenager, we would meet at my house. We were 16, 17 years of age, and we would stay up until midnight studying the catechism of the Catholic Church, different catechisms. And here I am, you know, 40, 50 years later, is still doing it. Why? Because it's what it's all about. And so this question, what do we mean when we say God? Wow, that, that's a topic for the night, you know? He, the answer is God is the supreme being, infinitely perfect spirit. He is above all created because he created all things. God does not owe his existence to any other being, but all other beings owe their existence to God. God is perfect in material being that has an intellect and will. As an infinitely perfect spirit, God has all perfection without limits, which are expressed in his attributes. Oh, I love the attributes of God. Bishop Strickland, this is so important because I guarantee you, our listeners right now haven't had that question asked to them in decades. So let's talk about that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, oh, and we need to, part of what we're dealing with in today's world is people don't think. Yeah, that's um, you To think about ref, really reflecting on significant questions like that. What, did, what do I mean when I speak of God? Yeah. It, I think a lot of people, like I said, I, I, I'm biased in as a believer, but I think an awful lot of people just out of reasonable out of reasonableness, yeah. would return to saying, you know, I do believe in God, and this is my concept of God. 
Um, and it, it really, those two paragraphs fit together because the supreme being is the one that all being comes from. And <clears throat> what occurs to me, one thing that, and as we look at the God's attributes. Oh, I love it. Um, I think in my own prayer and reflection, we're, well, we always have been, but as human beings in this scientific age, we are so caught up in time and space. We're bound as creatures. I mean, that's part of the definition of what it means to be a creature. You exist for a certain time in a certain place. I mean, we have the, the amazing technologies. I mean, here I am in Texas, you're in California, we're having a conversation together, but we can only be in one place at one time. And to me, I mean, it, it certainly, I can't say it makes me understand God, but I think it, it makes me more aware of how different we are from God Yes. and how we tend to put God in our boxes and define God in our terms rather than just being open to the wonder of God. God is revealed, as this says, that he's three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That means something to us and expresses part of the mystery of another way to speak of God is God is love. The scriptures tell us that, especially beautifully in John's gospel. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so reflecting on what, it, what do we mean when we say God, it helps us to understand those, those differences between us and God. and helps us to, I mean, at least it helps me to always be aware when I'm thinking of, of Christ, uh, the Son of God. That part of the wonder of the incarnation is that this timeless, eternal God, the second person of God, the Trinity, is incarnate among us. He becomes a newly conceived child in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And from looking at, I mean, if we could all go back and look at the newly conceived Christ, and look at each of us newly conceived in our mother's wombs, we couldn't tell the difference. Right. I mean, I think there's a beauty there in, in really emphasizing the great mystery that we enter into when we begin to contemplate God. And it, it just, to me, it, it just continues to explode in new and beautiful ways because when, as Catholics, we believe in that Eucharistic presence of God uh, that the Son of God has given us. And from looking at a consecrated host, we can't, without faith, it just looks like a, a little flat piece of bread. Right. But we know the God of the universe is contained there. Yep. I guess, to me, all of that just hopefully encourages people, we need to use our imaginations. We need to think about what does it really mean that God is timeless and that Jesus in his divinity is timeless yes. as he was in the mystery of his humanity and divinity. He was timeless and in a certain place in time all at the same moment. 
And that, you know, we can't fathom how that could be. But I think it, for me at least, it takes us deeper into the relationship with the mystery, remembering that God is love, the source of all life. I mean, <clears throat> we think about our own bodies. I mean, we're both older. We're not the, the young kids that we were. We're not the young 20-something men that we were. Uh, your body changes, but you're the same person. And the, the bodily functions that we take for granted begin to, to not work as well. Right. But just the wonder that we have just in the human biology that God has given us, there's so much wonder there if we open our hearts and minds to that wonder that, you know, just to enjoy the taste and the experience of having a meal with our family. Yeah. That's a tremendous gift. That's, right. that's a, a tremendous blessing of being that it's so easy to take for granted. And uh, so I think thinking about who we say God is, once again, it begins to remind us who we are because we're created in God's image and likeness. Well said. We've just got a couple minutes, and I really want to get into the attributes of God for next week. But when people are listening to this show, it's going to be the octave of Christmas. Bishop Strickland, can you just share in a minute or two that we have left about the octave of Christmas? Why is it that we celebrate so many days of Christmas? Is it you know? Give us your thoughts on why we have such a great celebration for that. Well, I, I suppose there are a lot of reasons. <clears throat> for one thing, the the octave is a tradition mm -hmm. of the church for emphasizing something very important, something very significant. And uh, the octave of Christmas reminds us, and it, you know, to me, it's, it's just the church being a good mother. Mm. Uh, our mothers know that it takes time for us to really embrace uh, the truth of something. Mm -hmm. And Holy Mother Church knows that we need some time to reflect on the greatest birth in, yeah. in all of history, in all of creation, the birth of God's own Son. So we take an eight-day octave. Liturgically, an octave is, is significant because it, it emphasizes that this is the, the greatest level of solemnity that we have. And on the very human side, it just reminds us we, we live in a in an instantaneous moment world where you, you get ready for something and then boom, it's gone and you move on. And the church is saying, no, slow down. Allow this to be something mm -hmm. that resonates through several days. And that enriches our experience of the birth of the Son of God. And so an octave gives us more time to let it really sink in who Jesus is our Lord and Savior, who we are called to be as his disciples, all of that working together. Wow. You know, Richard Strickland, what a timely comment you make for the octave of Christmas right in this time that we're celebrating it. So beautiful. Bishop Strickland, I wanted to make a little pitch. Christmas is next week, and we're going to be in the octave. But I want to remind people that it's the end of the year, and I would love to see people make a donation to the Diocese of Tyler, Texas, to help with the apostolic work you're doing with your seminarians, with all the apostolic work that you have going. I mean, the St. Philip Institute is a, 
another one that probably could use some funding. And if people could go to the diocese website, Tyler, Texas, and make a donation, I would thank them, and I know you would also. So, Thank you, Terry. You bet. And if we could get a blessing from you, that would be grand. Almighty God, we ask your blessing for Terry Barber and all of those working at Virgin Most Powerful Radio, that they may continue to joyfully share the news and the truth that you have revealed to us, our saving hope that is your son, Jesus Christ, and the light he brings to the world. May all of us be blessed as we celebrate the birth of the Son of God during this octave. And we ask this blessing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Bishop Strickland. I also want to recommend for those who want to get a catechism, the Way of Christ student uh, book that I have in my hands, they can go to the St. Philip Institute website and uh, order it. It's not a lot of money, and it's a great little catechism, so in the future we can just go along. And I guarantee you when you're done, here it is, stphilipinstitute.org on the screen, I guarantee you when you go through the catechism, you'll be so grateful because even this next week, it's a teaser, we're going to be talking about the attributes of God. So important. I remember meditating on those, and I said, I really learned more about God through the attributes of who God is than almost anything else I had read And I was a teenager when I went through that. And I'm going to guarantee next week when we cover the attributes, you're going to say, wow, I didn't realize that's who our God is. He's omnipotent. What's that mean? We're going to get into all of these things about our God. Because we live in a world right now, let's be honest, that says, hey, whatever, whatever floats your boat, man, do it. Or you've got your truth, i got my truth. No, 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 no. We need to proclaim loudly that Truth has a name. His name is Jesus Christ. And that's who we will preach in season and out here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We are honored to have Bishop Strickland take an hour a week to teach people the faith on the air. I just think that, Bishop Strickland, that's one of your charisms as a shepherd to teach the faith. And I thank you for responding in such a positive way. Thanks, Terry. All right. God love you. And folks, again, uh, we'll, if you want to hear more of these shows, you can go to vmpr.org. They're all podcast. Matter of fact, all the different shows we do are podcast on our website. And we have lots of free things like Bishop Sheen Priest Retreats. And just take a look at vmpr.org. And I'll say Merry Christmas because when you're listening to this, you're in the octave of Christmas. May God richly bless you and your family. And thanks for supporting us here at Virgin most powerful radio. God love you.